Hi. Hi. This is Jonathan Barella. And a very sleepy Brittany Barella. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, a couple of mini podcasts. All right. Are you going to be able to pay attention to this or are you just watching the Pats game? No, I'm paying attention. I just so, you know, because you listeners out there can't see us. Jonathan's just blank staring at the TV when he's like, uh, yeah. Uh. <laughs> it's because I felt that the very sleepy part didn't need to be put in there. Well, I am. <laughs> um, okay, so let's jump into it. Quick recap. We're still going to a lot of soccer games every week. We had Jonathan's company Christmas party. We had a friend's yep. Christmas party. Mm-hmm. All very fun. Yes, it has been fun. But <sighs> um, And yeah, that's pretty much the big stuff. Of course, today, big breaking news. I know. One of my heroes. Our favorite coach ever. Favorite coach ever. The guy, the only, uh, I would probably say, uh, okay, so so on my tattoos, and this mm. needs a backstory before I, before I say this. Um, when I was younger, I, li- I, liked, I liked this band called Poison the Well a lot. Um, as I've grown older, like, the band is still cool. I don't know any of their new stuff. A pass from their album, um, Tear from the Red. Uh, yeah, I think it's Tear from the Red. Anyways, um, but I have a tattoo on my body of that band. Um, and then, uh, yeah, but um, the tattoo, one of my bigger tattoos that I have is of this one person. Why are you giving this crazy face? Let me hear it. I just, I don't know what the two tattoos have to do with one another. Can you let me finish? Yeah. Okay. So the biggest tattoo I have is of Mike Leach, who has probably passed away today. Um, I keep getting backlash that he's still on life support, he's still in hospice care, blah, blah, blah. But I've heard multiple reports that he's been brain dead since 10 this morning, which is terrible. And I'm just absolutely heartbroken over this. Yeah, it is. It's really sad. He was a really great coach. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 super sad, and yeah, that's it's terrible. Yeah i I do think there's a good chance that he has passed away at this point, but I I think they just aren't officially saying that to give the family time. Yeah, I think so too. Um, I. Like I, I respect the family's wishes in that, uh, you know, in in that sense. So definitely take their take their time, but it does not look good for the old pirate. Yeah, that'll be sad for sure. Yeah. So what did those two tattoos have to do with each other? Um, they were just other of other uh, guys. Because I was gonna say the only man that I have tattooed on me is Mike Leach, but. I corrected myself because I do have two band tattoos. One's Poison the Well and the other one is Terror. But none that those don't mean as much to me as Mike Leach's tattoo that I have on my body. Yeah. It makes sense. You know? Mm-hmm. I really like the quote you pulled um from Mike Leach today that you put on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. He is uh um there's actually a website called uh Leachisms. And that's where I found it. It's I, uh, there's another one that, like, 
resonated with me. I want to say that it's on like my, my actual like Facebook, like you know, in the, like in the about me mm-hmm. area. Here, check it out. I I want to say no. You know what? I think it's something dumb. Um, I I want to say that it's Colonel Sanders. Um, I'm too drunk to taste this chicken. <laughs> I don't see anything. Okay. <laughs> they might, Facebook might have done, done away with that. But Mike Leach was quoted to say, um, and I probably can't even read this without tearing up. Could you read it? Yeah. I don't even remember what I said. I hope whatever I said was cute and clever and maybe even a tiny bit humorous. I hope it wasn't mindless babble. And if it was, hopefully everyone will forget about it pretty quick. <clears throat> And to that I say, Mike will never forget anything you said. <laughs> I mean, I don't know that I know any other Mike Leach quotes, so I can't say that I'll never forget anything else you said. But, <laughs> and I, I think that there's a lot of things that Mike Leach said that he would rather people forget. But I, I think that that was part of his charm, you know? Like, he said whatever he wanted to, and, you know, whenever it didn't sound great or whatever, he was just like, whatever. Like, I don't care. Yeah. It is what it is. Um, God, he gave us some good memories. Yeah, he did. I mean, he was a great coach. He was a passionate coach. He really cared about his players. It really brought a lot of energy, I think, to Texas Tech and to Lubbock um, just because he was an easy coach to get behind. Uh, but he didn't play well with others, I think, particularly of his age. Um <laughs> And so it was kind of like one of those things whenever, like, the suits, if you will, uh, really started to, well, essentially get rid of him. I don't, it was kind of one of those, like, we're not, I'm not shocked that you guys didn't like him, like, personally, but and he's really good for the university. So. so good. I think that if that incident with uh, Adam James would have never occurred, there would 100% be a statue on the north side of our stadium with him dressed as a pirate with a sword pointing north. Maybe. Like like a ship. I I don't know that he would be fully dressed as a pirate. I can't remember a time whenever I saw him fully dressed as a pirate. <laughs> I have um, a magazine cover. I have a magazine uh, with him with the eye patch on. That's about it. Mm. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I could see him maybe like holding a sword, but like in his coaching gear. Yeah. But, man, like, it, he did have some very weird uh, coaching methods that ultimately got him fired from tech. Because, I mean, the, the times were changing at that at that moment in time, uh, at that place that he was in. And just to where we're going with player safety and mental health safety, safety probably wasn't the best actions for him to put that one player into the, a shed. Um, and you know, me as a fan and as a Mike Leach lover, like, I'm like, get over it. Like he was protecting, (laughs) he was overly protecting you from your concussion protocol because, uh, Adam James, um, had a concussion. So the reason why he was wearing sunglasses to practice is because direct sunlight or bright lights would hurt his head. And that's why Mike Leach put him in the shed because he was like, there's no sunlight in there. Turn off all the lights. And he put training staff in there and said when he feels better have him come out but i get it like not okay but i think that if he would have stayed here we would have won at least one national championship yeah i um, so i i don't know this to be a fact but my understanding was it wasn't like a shed like you have in your backyard 100 percent. 
Like, it was fully air-conditioned. Like, it's not like the kid was, like, locked in there or something. Yeah. So, I mean, he could have walked out at any time if he was that upset about it. I I didn't understand then, and I don't really understand now. I I think it was just kind of that foothold that people got to get rid of him. Yeah. And And, uh, not stupid. For those of you who know me who are like, why is Jay talking so crazy? It's like, I want to present all the facts that I know so I'm not completely bashing the James the James family no yeah Adam James Craig James I don't remember you know the kid's name and I really don't care I think it was stupid and I think he's a baby 100% um <laughs> like that's just I don't know that's just how I felt about it then so I felt about it now right how I feel about it now because here's the deal like he went on to be a successful coach at you know two other universities and none of their players, like, ever cried abuse. You know what I mean? Yep. So, I don't know. I <laughs> Actually, one guy that was in the transfer portal, I think he was a running back for Mississippi State, in his, like, you know how they write the letters, like, thinking the fans, thinking the coaching mm-hmm. staff. He was like, um, I'll be in the transfer portal because I know Mike Leach didn't like me. Like, threw that little bit of salt in that wound and i'm like bro it like all you had to do was play mike leach would play you if you played he did not play you if you constantly messed up and you were not a very good teammate yeah i don't here's my thing football is just the nature of it is an aggressive game yeah so, like, I'm not saying that coaches should be abusive by any means, but you have to know they're going to be aggressive. And, you know, granted, I only interacted with Mike Leach in, like, one, like, in person, I guess, a handful of times. Um, That's awesome. I mean, you were with me for at least one. Yeah, but a handful is, like, at least five. Uh, well, okay, maybe, like, three or four. T- I don't remember exactly. But I don't know. He always just rubbed me as the kind of guy that, like, I mean, if you weren't busting your butt and you weren't, like, achieving and you weren't doing good, like, he, he wasn't going to tell you you were. Like, yeah. either you did your job or you didn't. Like, he just always struck me as a very black and white guy. Like, either you were doing it or you're not. And I can appreciate that. Like, I, you know, you either do your dang thing or you're not. And so... I don't know. I think a lot of people get butthurt about that kind of mentality now, but it is what it is. I mean, I, (laughs) so I actually follow, um, a football couple on TikTok. Uh Uh-huh. What do you mean by football couple? Uh, the husband plays for the Cleveland Browns. Okay. And the wife I watch on TikTok and he's been on it more and more lately. But essentially, like, he was on the Browns roster, and then he got cut, and he went to the practice team, and then he got back on the roster, and then he got cut again. Okay. <sighs> it's, I don't know, it's been interesting to, like, there's been a lot of joking. Like, the NFL has actually, like, used his wife's TikTok quite a bit for their social media, and, like, they send her, like, swag and stuff. Um, in fact, I, I think his last name was like Cooch or something. Okay. And hers is Rochelle. And so they like, instead they sent her Cleveland Brown jerseys for both of them with his number on it, but her last name. (laughs) Um, and so (laughs) 
<laughs> That's kind of a terrible last name. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> the joke is that like she's more recognizable than he is because she's TikTok famous, right? Yeah. Which I, I don't know how much of a like jerk thing that is to do since he keeps getting cut from the roster. But. Yeah, it's it's that's been an interesting because, like I said, he'd been cut and then put on the practice team. He was added back. He was cut. He's he's back on the practice team now, and like him just kind of talking through that. But like never, never has him or his wife's conversation been like bashing the coaching staff or like what you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they've talked about how it can be nerve wracking because essentially he could be picked up by any NFL team at any time and they could have to move. Um, you and, know, you know, to that, I say you're still in the NFL and that that's kind of his mentality. Like, you know, I think it's especially the first time he got cut, like he was pretty upset about it. But I mean, anybody would that got fired, essentially, yeah. you know, and then he joined the practice team and, you know, he played on the roster while he was on the thing and then he got permanently added back. I, it's just, it's kind of like, it's been interesting watching like the roller coaster because there's a lot of unknowns, I think, when you go into that profession and especially when you get cut. Because um, it can't, I mean, like overnight, you can just not have a job. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, especially if they, perf- if you are like teetering that line mm-hmm. of performing and not performing. Mm-hmm. And then let's say they get like, a, like they trade for a super skilled position that also shares that position that you do like they need room for this guy mm-hmm. you're gone yeah so it, it's just been interesting to kind of watch their I, I think they've been really good sports about it of course like there's times when they get upset like they're upset about it it's scary it's 100%. a change um but they're always like I, i've never heard either one of them talk crap about the coaches or the team or you know what i mean yeah that's cool and that's I mean, I don't know. I think I would hope if you make it to the, like the professional level, like you're you have this mentality. But I think that we need to start like getting it back into our, like our high school kids and our college kids brains that like you either make it or you don't. Yeah. And that's nobody's fault, but except your own. I think that not that the, the bar needs to be scaled back as far as the quote unquote making it. Like, because people think that they made it when they're, like, starting, they're on TV, and everyone's buying their jersey, right? You made it when you're getting a check signed from your professional team. That's in any sport. Baseball, because you could go, you could get drafted right out of high school with baseball and be on a triple-A or a double-A team forever. But you're still signed to that team. They could call you up at any time. But, I mean, like... You've done very good for yourself and dedicated your life if you just make the team, even if it's a practice squad. Yeah. I don't, I mean, if you're out there and you're doing your dang thing and you're getting paid for it, I don't know. It feels like a win to me. Right. I, I'm very much so, and it's something like I, I mean, you and I kind of had that disagreement about Annabelle, you know, that I, I work, it's, I try to be really conscious about instilling it in our daughters of, you know, it's not necessarily about being the best. It's about just, like, getting out there and working your butt off and showing up for your team and putting in everything you got. Yeah. Because that's... And that's just life. Like, I don't... 
you just kind of get out there and do the best you can. And then to some extent, like you're not going to have control over everything, but do what you can and then let the chips fall where they may, you know? Yeah. And that's something that like I got to take a step back to because at first I didn't understand it. But once you like explain it to me, like, and I saw that side of this, like that side of the spectrum, like I definitely agree that it, that it's needed. And I'm glad you're there. You're there to <laughs> like yeah. have those conversations because you know as well as I do, like, I, I, I can't have those conversations. I mean, I think you can. I, I think it's just something that you're going to have to wrap your brain around. But you, with all the love in my heart, you were a little coddled, you know? Yeah. And, like, I, I, I think that there's some really, really good things from coming, like, that come from being told that you're great and you're wonderful and all those things, right? But I also think that there is some goodness, some strength. I, I don't know exactly what you want to call it. There, There is some good that comes from being told, hey, look, like, you're going to have to work at this. Yeah. You know, like, I, I very much so grew up being told, if not always by my parents, but definitely by my siblings, um, you know, everything that I did wrong and how I did wrong and the things that maybe I thought about doing wrong, right? Yeah. And I, I don't know that that's super healthy either. Like, I think somewhere in the middle of, like, when they do great, let's tell them they did great. And when they're not trying and they're not working hard and they're not showing up for their team, telling them, like, that's not acceptable. Because that's my thing. Like, if you're going to commit to something, commit to it. Yeah. Do it. Do your dang thing. Um. I think it's raining outside. It is, yeah. It's wild. Mm. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I don't know. That's well. I mean, on the same on the flip side of the spectrum, like you can have those conversations, and like you are definitely in the mindset of, like, I need to push for this. You know what I'm saying? But for me, it's kind of like I really have to dig deep because, like you said, like I was told, like, I'm awesome. I'm great. Like, this is all, like, coddled, coddled, if you will. But, like, now when I feel like, when I recognize in myself that I'm not doing or living up to this greatness, like, I start to slump hard. Yeah. You know? And I, I, I it's not healthy for me. It's not healthy for you. It's not good for the girls. Like, like I slump hard. Yeah. But, I mean, the flip side of that coin is I rarely feel successful. That's crazy because you are. Well, I mean, that I, I naturally am like, well, I mean, you were cheered on your whole life, so your instinct is to cheer me on. <laughs> but I mean, I, I there are very few times in my life that I felt like successful or like, dang, I'm really good at this. Yeah. And so, and those tend to be, I don't know. Uh, uh, what what would you define as success? Like, when would you look at yourself and be like, hell yeah, oh, I'm I, successful? I have no idea. No? No. I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know that I have the full capacity for that, actually. Hmm. I say that. There is one particular, and I, you know, I never have been a job title person, but there is one particular job title that I've always wanted um, PTO that I've always worked towards PTO pay time off. I thought it was uh, a <laughs> personal trainer 
often. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, I don't want to say exactly what it is, but I don't know. Maybe I'll feel it then. I, I don't know. I really don't know. I will say, in general, like in what I do, I I think, I well, I don't think. I know I'm good at what I do. Um, I know that I impact a lot of lives, and so that makes me feel good. Yeah. Um, I just don't, I, I think that the way that I'm wired, whether it's nurture or nature, I, I couldn't tell you exactly, but I'm just one of those people that no matter what good I'm doing, I always can tell you like the three to 10 things that I could be doing better. I, I feel you. Yeah. Like I, today I was having a meeting with some of uh, my team and we were talking about something and, you know, the comment was made that essentially my boss would be really upset if X, Y, and Z happened this week. And, you know, my response was, and, and I, I have a great amount of respect for my boss and I love him dearly. I was like, I, quite frankly, I don't care how he feels because I'm going to be so upset about it. Like, I don't, how he <laughs> feels will not affect how I feel. Does that yeah. make sense? Like, yeah. I'm, I'm already going to have a whole lot of feelings on that. Um, so I don't know. I you know, my hope as we raise our children is that they do they are self-aware enough to know where they could improve. Yeah. But that they're comfortable enough with who they are to like feel successful while they continue to work on themselves. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that they can feel comfortable in that state without necessarily feeling negative about themselves and I will say the older I get and the the more that I I think work in the environment that I do the more that I I am comfortable with being in a state of growth consistently you know what I mean yeah like it's not like I sit here and I'm like I'm terrible I'm awful you know and this is this started off as a joke in my head but oh. kind of is like turned into like a cool metaphor I can't see my growth um that if you put into a uh, mountain climbing metaphor Mm -hmm. because i'm afraid of heights and i I don't want to look down Mm -hmm. so i only see my success when i reach my success Mm. not as i'm coming into my success like i i i'm terrible about taking small wins and like building off those yeah no i i can see that in you but also I think you could feel those small wins better if you would sit down and, like, strategize things and break them down and give yourself check marks, kind of like you do in dream meetings. Gotcha. Um, like, I think if you would break things down into more tangible things. Like, here's the deal. If I am working off my checklist, like, if I have... We like to do this thing. Um, we use full focus planners at work, and we have our big three. Um, and as I check those off, like... I know that those little checks aren't what makes me, like, I'm not going to be like, man, I was, you know, I'm, I'm such a successful person. I checked three things off my, you know? Yeah. Um, but I know that those little things add up to the big things. And so even just like those little check marks, just give me a, sometimes it's just a second, but it gives me just a little taste of like, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. It, it makes me feel like I'm not spinning my wheels. Like I'm actually moving yeah i don't know that's my i get that i mean and like i have not been i've actually been horrible at keeping up with my dream meetings and like 
my check marks and stuff like that. Excuse me. So, dream meetings, for those of you that don't know, which would probably be most of you, um, several years ago now, uh, my boss started doing, he read this book called Dream Manager, and he started doing dream meetings um, with a group of us, and essentially what we do is we, you meet regularly, and you just dream. I mean, you just write down, you know, there's different topics, there are like different categories, if you will, and you just write down whatever your dreams are. Um, and then, you know, when you're working with the dream manager, they help you break those down into tangible steps so that you can work on those smaller goals to hit your dreams, to fulfill your dreams. Um, it's a really wonderful process. Uh, we also do a lot of reading with it, you know, whatever you might be struggling with or what you're working towards, um, a dream manager, at least in our company, will recommend books to go along with it. Um, and then, you know, once you like, you know, I, I think I did it for a little under a year and then you read the dream manager book and you learn how to do that with other people. And then you take on a dreamer and yeah, anyway, so that's kind of a brief overview, but you know, in the same way that you break down that big dream into like little tangible goals, you know, I, I think that those kind of give you little wins along the way. Yeah. I 100% agree because, I mean, this podcast was a dream at one point and that I didn't think it was very possible. And your boss and I started breaking it down and I was like, oh, dang, like we can do this this weekend. And that's when (laughs) we started. And I mean, we're into our second year of doing this podcast and it's, it's awesome. Yeah, it really is. And I, you know, it's funny because it's like, <laughs> it's it feels weird to me to refer to him as my boss. Yeah. In the very technical sense, that, that is what he is. He is 100%. my boss. Yeah. And um, I we decided on this podcast, you know, when we first started that we weren't going to name drop unless we had permission to name drop. So, you know, we keep those things, you know. Yeah. Because, I mean... But it's just, it's it's just a weird title. It's not a weird title. It is, techn- his technical title is that he is my boss. I mean, yeah. he's the CEO of our company. He is my direct supervisor. Like, that is who I report to. But both of our hearts tell us that he's, like, our friend, our mentor. Like, yeah. <laughs> like Those are exactly the two words family, I would think. He's our friend. He's our mentor. Know? Like, yeah. Like, we wouldn't refer to him as the boss. He technically is, but it it just feels weird to keep referring to him as that. 100%. But then, like, if you don't understand, like, our connections and things, it also might sound weird if I'm referring to him as, like, our mentor. But, I, you know, he's just, he's one of those friends that loves to invest in the people around him, which it makes him a really great CEO. Um, And so, yeah, anyways, there's that. Yeah. Uh, It's actually funny. So... Today, I was uh, in a meeting with him this afternoon, kind of an impromptu meeting, and our one of our sweet receptionists comes in, and she's like, Brittany, you got a letter. The number one person that mails me things to our corporate office is him, <laughs> and it was from him, and I was like, well, why, why do you keep mailing me letters here? And he, well, because last time it was like a package. It was a book. He he loves to give out books. He's a big reader, which I, I appreciate the heck out of. Um, and he was like, well, I don't, where else would I send it to? And I was like, my, my house. 
or just give it to you. Or just, yeah, like if you're going <laughs> to mail it to the office, you might as well just hand it to me when you see me at the office. And he, he's just like, I don't know. And I was like, okay, whatever. That's so funny. Like, he, he's so cool. He's very, he can be very, very thoughtful. Yeah. Um, so, anyways. Uh, we kind of got off there. But, yeah. <sighs> I think you would feel more successful if you would track your successes and not just, like, hope that they somehow come to fruition. I agree. I I am, am, but I, I think like I am terrible about giving myself praise as well. Um, even if I accomplish something, like I always want to give the praise to the team, not to myself. Yeah, no, I think that we're like-minded like that. And I think a lot of our generation is, um, yeah, like I, I don't like you, uh, won't give the big speeches. I I will stand up in front of a room like it does. That does not bother me if I'm awarded something. But I would definitely be like, no, 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 no. Oh, that's I'm not like, me. That's I'm happy to give a speech. I don't want an award, but I. I... Okay, so sorry about that. Um, where were we? Oh, I was waving my hand around. I accidentally hit the stop recording button. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I was just saying that. Like I. I don't love necessarily being recognized award-wise in front of a group of people, but I don't mind giving a speech. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, for me, it's, I mean, it doesn't, doesn't matter. I, I, I would rather direct the praise to the team versus myself, but, I, I mean, I'll stand in front of anybody. Yeah, I, so at Holiday Happening, um... I was ticket chair and I, I had two lovely assistants and our league president was working in the ticket booth for with us for a little bit and she was praising me, you know, she was like, I, Brittany, you've done a great job, like, this has been so good this year and I was like, thank you, like, I have such a great team and I'm so thankful for them and, and you know, I we had kind of done this a few times, she had tried to give me some praise and I pretty much, like, redirected it as a team and so I think she got a little annoyed and she was like, okay, like I'm, I'm just saying something nice to you. Like, just take the praise. <laughs> and, you know, it, I've really kind of thought about it since. And it's like, I don't know that I really know how to do that gracefully, hmm. especially in front of my teammates. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. I, I feel like. I don't know. Like, I only know how to redirect that to, like, the whole team. It is weird, right? Because, like, I don't want to sound, and you probably feel the exact same way, I don't want to sound like I'm bragging or, like, it's just, like. I don't want it to seem like I got there by myself. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Like, it, it definitely is a team effort. You definitely couldn't have done it without delegating certain tasks to amazing people and them just carrying that out, so... Like, you have to. I, uh, so, I don't, uh, y'all can judge me freely out there, but, I mean, I would have got it done by myself. It just would have been a lot harder, and it would have taken a lot longer. And so, I'm really grateful for the help, especially because in that situation, I had really fantastic help. Um, But, yeah, no, I mean, I, 
if I have a job to do, I'm going to get it done. Come hell or high water, like, I'm going to figure it out. Yeah. But, holy jacks, like, I, I honestly could not have asked for two better assistants in that situation. And anytime you're doing volunteer work, like, you never... And, like, I didn't really know them well going into it. Like, I knew who they were, but I didn't really know them, know them going into it. And so you always kind of roll those dice of, like, whether or not that person that you were just assigned to is really going to show up and pull any weight. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so, I, again, like, I would have gotten it done solo, but holy jacks. Like, they – not only did they make it so much easier than it would have been – but they made it so fun. Like I, what was a very tedious job was made by made to be a lot of fun because I had really great help and I enjoyed the heck out of them. That's super cool. Like that's awesome when you have that team and you're able to accomplish a, a big task because you know you guys work together as one. Like that that that's awesome. I'm I'm glad you have those experiences. Yeah, but I I feel like those are the times whenever it's like really hard to accept praise. But in general, I don't do great accepting praise. Like I, it's funny. I was actually talking to my boss earlier today about this. I'm very much so wired as like if you say nothing to me, I assume I'm doing fine, and you know you'll let me know if I need to adjust something. Yeah. Like I don't need a lot of affirmation. I it makes me feel uncomfortable sometimes. For me, like. I'm kind of there with you, but I would, I think I need like a little thumbs up every once in a while. I'll just be like, you know I, what I'm saying? I do. I think you're very different for me. I think you absolutely <laughs> need affirmation. Which is crazy because again, I would direct that to the team, not to myself, but I kind of need that like, hey man, like good job on this or hey man, yes. like. I noticed you did this, whatever. And like, <sighs> I I feel really different about that because I don't feel like that is something that an adult needs. Uh, I mean, I have a very large team that says differently. Yeah. Because that was like one of the first things I had to learn whenever I started moving into leadership was that people need praise. And it felt like a really stupid thing to me, but holy moly, like they need praise. And that feels like a stupid thing to say out loud. Like, of course they need praise. Like every, like most normal human beings need to be told that they're doing a good job when they're doing a good job. I am just a very strange human being. And, you know, like I really appreciate, I, again, my boss, whenever he gives me affirmation, he's like, well, I, you know, I don't want your head to get too big. So it's like always paired with something that doesn't make me feel like I like need to have an acceptance speech. Yeah. And I, I think he does that specifically for me because it makes me squirm whenever he just straight up tells me I'm doing great, you know? Yeah. I mean, sometimes he does that too, but most of the time, like he pairs it in a way that I can comfortably be like, thank you. I appreciate that. That's cool. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I think that that's more normal than not to need some affirmation. And I think it comes from the fact that you got a lot of affirmation growing up. I think so too. But I mean, oh man, and so that's I don't how know. you judge whether or not you're being successful is how much affirmation you're getting. Yeah. Um, whereas, yeah, I just kind of had to 
know. I didn't get a whole lot of affirmation <laughs> growing up. Even like I, I was really close to my grandparents and I mean, they weren't ones to tell me like, oh my gosh, you're amazing. Like I knew they thought that, but they didn't yeah. say those words to me. See, I got it primarily from my, my mom and my dad's side of the family. Um, on my 100%. mom's side of the family, like everyone had their own boys and their own children to be like, Oh, like, look what Miho and Miha are doing and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But um, on my dad's side of the family, it was like, it, it was there to the point where, like, I was definitely like, if there was like a brown privilege, I was definitely getting it <laughs> in my grandma's house. Like, I felt like a, I felt like a king in there. It was crazy. Yeah, 100%. I... I always knew I was my, particularly my mom's favorite, um, but like, I don't know, I wasn't a queen per se, like, I, she still expected me to behave the same way she expected everybody else to behave. One time my grandma let me eat a whole rotisserie chicken while the kids, the other kid, and I got to watch whatever I wanted to watch in my aunt's room, and the other kids in the living room, including my sister, got to eat uh Weenies and wraps and tortillas. <laughs> so <laughs> they had to watch my grandma's uh, soap operas. Yeah. So <laughs> that and, was not my experience. And I got juice, and everyone else got water. <laughs> yeah, I. Yeah. That is so weird. Well, even <laughs> even this past weekend. <laughs> Your mom was telling me how, like, you were such a perfect kid and you were just always so good. And I wanted to be okay, like... So I was not. I, I know. <laughs> like, I know you as an adult. I can't imagine you were a perfect child. Not. not. only that, but I have heard all of your aunts and uncles talk about how awful you were. <laughs> but, and her, like, she truly, truly 100% believes that you were just like the perfect little boy. And, you know, I think that's that's mama's eyes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because, like, your mom can tell me all the shortcomings you have now. But <laughs> I think, you know, when she looks back, like, you were you were her baby boy. And I can understand that and I can appreciate that. And I, I, I love that your parents have that love for you. Um, but also, like, I don't know. Yeah. And, I mean, I feel like some of that translates to, like, me now with the girls like I don't and and I try to break myself from it as far as like I know that they're gonna do bad like I try to say hey we'll talk about this and then we'll like next time that happens like well we'll attack it yeah but like I don't want to be too coddling but then they're also girls and not to hold that against them but they're my babies like God, man, I don't know. I don't feel that way. I know. I And I think some of that comes from, like, the opposite gender. You know what I mean? Like, if anything, I'm like, if you go soft on them because they're they're girls, like, you are setting them up for a lifetime of failure. Yeah, like, like I get that. Like, I, I, I truly do. And I want them to be so tough. Like, I want to put all of in, gosh dang, jujitsu classes, like... There's a gym offering two weeks for $20. Like, I, I want her to get into it because I think Why? she, I think she's athletic enough. Like, I, I think that she has that athletic gift. Like, anything she picks up, she's going to be that kid. 
I agree. I don't know that jujitsu is really. But, uh, Annabelle's the one that probably needs to learn that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't. I mean, the world is not. I also want them to be able to protect themselves. No, I'm I'm fine with that. I'd rather them get a little older before they learn to beat the crap out of somebody else. But I'm down for them to learn to beat the crap out of somebody else. I also think inherently when you have more than one other sibling, you learn how to fight. Yeah. Um, like I never took any formal fighting classes, but I can hold my own. Um, I don't know. I, I think that the world in large is not... I don't know. There's just a lot of things that women have to deal with. And I want the girls to be able to face that head on without whining about it. It just, it is what it is. Deal with it. Like work through it. Um, if you can change it, change it. And if you can't fight through it. Yeah. I, it's weird to say, and I can't believe I'm saying it, but I feel like society views a dad getting onto his girls in that harsh manner differently than a mom getting onto her girls for that harsh manner in that harsh way. You know what I'm saying? I, you know, here's the deal. I don't give a crap what society thinks. I know, but. I know you don't want to seem like the bad guy. Yeah. You don't want to seem like you're like abusing them or something. Here's my deal. I, and I, I believe this with everything in me. I'm a really good mom. And I think you're a really great dad. And if somebody wants to try to say otherwise, like, I think we have a ton of people that would vouch for us, you know, like we, we spend the time to have the conversations and, you know, like the twins, they can't, do we talk to them about making good choices and not biting and being nice and using soft hands? Absolutely. But those are really short conversations (laughs) because they have really short attention spans Um, you know, Olive's starting to get to where she can really talk through some things, but Annabelle's at that age where she's really thinking and she's reasoning and she's asking questions. And, you know, at this point, I would say 80% of our discipline with her is more conversations and groundings. Yeah. You know, like I, I really can't even remember the last time I spanked her. Um, because I, it's not the most effective way to get through to her anymore. Yeah. You know, like I, I do some, some things are going to have that consequence. I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but I, I don't have a problem with if that's the consequence that's needed, but really she's just at that age and her brain's at that development level that, that we can talk through things and she can understand the gravity of it and she can feel remorse and, um, you know, she can experience other consequences that almost affect her more. Yeah. hundred percent. And so, I don't know, but, I mean, I, you know, when Jonathan and I were talking about, I got under the other day for not showing up for teammates, uh, Sunday before last, where I was, we obviously went to a soccer game and she didn't even try. Like girl didn't even break a sweat. They were on that field for like, it's two halves. They run what? 28 minutes. Yeah. So two 28-minute halves, and she was out there the whole time because they didn't have any subs that day, and she didn't even break a sweat. That's how little running she did. 
Like in soccer, within the first like five to ten minutes, you should have a sweat. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, because she just wasn't doing crap. She didn't care. She wasn't paying attention. She wasn't running. She wasn't trying. Like there's just zero craps given. And so we're like headed home and Jonathan's like, well, baby, like you got to try and you got to work hard for your team. And I was like, no, no, this is ridiculous. And so I laid into her. Like I told her, you got to show up for your people. Otherwise I'm not doing this anymore. Like if you're not going to be a good teammate, why are we there? Like your team should be mad at you right now for not holding up your piece of the, like not carrying your weight. Anyway, so we talked about that when, when we, we were actually going to Jonathan's parents for breakfast. They already had the other kids. And so when we got there, I kept her outside and made a run. I said, here's the deal. If you're not going to work hard at your game, you're going to get just as tired of the rest of your teammates that put in the work. Run. Yeah. And Jonathan didn't necessarily agree with me right away, but. I, I did not see the time that you talked to her outside of the soccer box. Oh, yeah. So you had already had a conversation with her about not showing up. I went into it with like a... Thinking it was like a first conversation? Yeah. And when then when you jumped in, in the truck and we were talking to her and then like immediately going from that to making her run, I, I didn't understand that. But once yeah. I realized like, hey, you had this pre-conversation with her, like essentially you had the the mirror conversation that i was trying to have with her already you yeah. know and um well, i didn't see that so i i i didn't get the whole picture but once i did like that makes sense to me yeah well and that is like i when we had walked out of that game jonathan was still in cuz he coaches her team and so he was talking to some of the other parents and annabelle and i had walked out and i was like what was that and she like had no issue with how she showed up for that game like she was yeah. like what, mommy? Like, it was fine. Yeah, so when I got to her and I was able to get her after the conversation, like, she came to me and was crying. So at when all that stuff happened, like, she already felt bad. But I didn't I didn't realize that she had talked to her. Yeah. Pre, pre, so, she didn't yeah. feel bad until I told her she should feel <laughs> yeah. bad. Um, but anyways, like, I think that's a good example of, like, I wasn't going to spank her for that. I was going to make her run. Yeah. Like, the rest of her team was really freaking tired. They played hard. And so, you're going to be just as tired as your team. It's your choice whether or not you want to be just as tired as them because you had to run or if because you're out there working your butt off next to them. Yeah. And, I mean, thank you for that conversation because this last weekend, like, she she didn't ball out, but she played great. Yeah, I mean, she was engaged, she was paying attention, she was trying. She's still not very good, but that's okay. <laughs> and that's, I mean, that's what I told her. I don't really care if you're the best one on the team, but I want you to be working just as hard, if not harder, than everybody else. Yeah. Like, get out there and show up in the best way that you can, and if you're still not the best, that's okay, but at least you're getting out there and you're working. Yeah. Because that is, I mean, I, as an employer... I'm much more willing to work with you if you are putting 100% in all the time. Even if you're not my, my you know, starter team, if you will. 100%. Like, it, like if you're constantly moving, constantly showing, like, showing me, like, that you're working, I'm more willing to do that versus the dude that showed out two weeks in a row and thinks he can coast. Right. And, you know, it is. It's one of those things of, like, most things, I'm not going to say all things because it's not all things. Most things, especially in the real world and in the workforce, you don't 
if you're not the best right now, if you consistently and you and you make it a point to work hard, you are going to get better. Yeah. Like you can make yourself better. I the industry I'm in, I never had any intentions when I was younger to be in this industry. And I'm really one of the best at what I do. I um, agree. And so I mean it's just one of those things of like I I just learned it, you know? Like I just show up and I work my butt off and I research things and I find things and I educate myself and I listen and I watch and I observe and I ask questions. And, you know, I, I wasn't always the best, but I worked my butt off and now I'm I'm up there. So Yeah. Oh yeah. All I right. think you've done a amazing job, like <laughs> a, and not because I'm your husband and you know all this stuff, but like you you're a true inspiration to 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 just worth ethic in general. I appreciate those words. I feel like inspiration is maybe reaching a little bit. But I don't know. Like I think I would be way better in selling if I had half the organizations organizational skills that you do. Oh, here's the deal. I am really not as organized as I think I appear to be sometimes. I've gotten better at it. But, again, like, and I I think this is true for most people. I'm going to say, like, 99% of people. If you're trying to be better in an area, you're going to find things that work. And so, like, I probably one of my biggest struggles last year and a half was my organization. Particularly because, like, I don't work a desk job, right? Yeah. And so during COVID, I had to take an office. And so I had a desk for a while and I was able to get myself organized having a desk, right? Because I was, I had to have a desk. Yeah. Well, then whenever I was able to be remote again, which is what I prefer, like to be mobile, I was like, crap. Because as my position continues to grow, I have like all this different paperwork and all these different forms. And I I just have a bunch of crap. That I have to keep up with and I don't really have a desk or like a home station to do that with, right? Yeah. And I there's a lot of like, you know, we have these like shared workspaces, but it's like the paperwork I need to store needs to be locked up because it has personal confidential information on it. And so now I have this locked cabinet in the hallway and it, it's just kind of been a whole journey. But I had to figure out like what is a better way to organize myself and keep myself focused so that I'm not just spinning my wheels. Yeah. It, it's super crazy for me to hear that, like, you've just come into, like, organization because the amount of organizers and planners that you've bought mm. over the years. <laughs> okay, to be fair, though. So, um, one, yeah, he's one of our owners. He's also another one of our really good friends. Um, he found these full, they're called full focus planners. And he brought that to me, I think it was, it was either early this year or late last year. I can't remember which one. And he said, Hey, let's try these and see if they work. And I did not buy a planner all year. I have only used my full focus planner this year. Yeah. I think I could, I, I, I could see that. Yeah. So really if you're burning through planners, you are not well organized because you need for your husband to buy you a, um, Remarkable. Remarkable. Yeah, I freaking love that thing. So that was the other big game changer for me. The full focus and the remarkable have been my big game changers for this year. 
Um, so Jonathan and his parents got it for me for my birthday. Yes. Um, and <sighs> it has one saved us a ton of money in notebooks because <laughs> I was a collector slash hoarder of notebooks and two has kept me so much better organized. Um, so it's like a, it's literally just a writing tablet and you can organize like different folders with different notebooks in it. So essentially what I was finding was that I needed like almost like a whole organization bin or two or six in the back of my car to like hold all my different notebooks for like the different schools I was working at or the different principals I was working with or, you know, whatever situation or project I had going on. Like I needed all these different notebooks to keep track of where I was in that project or that journey or whatever. And so the Remarkable takes it and not only does it compile it all in one nice place and it's so easy to write on and even the little pen, it doesn't have to charge. Like it has, you can use an eraser. Like it legit feels like you're writing on paper. Um, and it's lightweight and it's fabulous. And I, if you can't tell, I really freaking love it. Um, oh, and the battery lasts forever. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I also can like email notes to people. So like if I'm taking notes on something and I'm like, Hey, you know, I noticed you weren't taking notes, but I want to follow up with you on this. I'm going to send you these, use these notes to follow up. I can do that. That's awesome. Uh, DocuSign should team up with them to have like a document sign, shareable, compatible thing on the remarkable itself. Yeah, maybe. Um, I, I really love my Remarkable. That has been an organizational game changer. That and my full focus. And even Remarkable. <laughs> so the, our same uh, friend that found the full focus, he was the one that found the Remarkable. And he actually bought it um, for his brother for Christmas last year. And that's where I saw my boss had it. And I was like... What is that? (laughs) So I do kind of feel bad because a couple of months ago, his battery like kind of started acting janky Uh and he has not really been able to use his as much. I don't know why he hasn't sent it in and got it fixed yet because I would be all about that. Yeah. Um, But I have not had that issue at all. In fact, mine still is beautiful and killing it. So That's awesome. (laughs) Those have been my two big game changer. And now I recently got an uh, iPad mini for work. Um, and I'm trying to minimize how many things I'm carrying around. So one of um, one of the other fabulous ladies I work with, she found like a template. Basically what we use our planner for to go on the iPad. So I might be trying that out to see. If I could get off my planner and make it digital. That's cool. With the same setup. We'll see. I don't know yet, but. Yeah, I think it, I would think that as long as it connects to iCloud, you could have it on your phone too, have it like multiple spots. I think that'd be really cool. I don't know. That feels overwhelming, but <laughs> I just, I like, I really prefer paper, um, which is why I think the Remarkable was a really good pivot for me because I feel like I'm writing on paper. Um. But I don't necessarily want things everywhere. I want to be organized, but I want to choose uh, when I'm being organized and when I can yeah. be fluid. Yeah, I, You know, I like my desk calendar, mm-hmm. but I've left it on October for, oh, actually September for a few months. And uh, I just write on it. I use a scratch pad. 
I, that is stressful for me and I, it's not even mine. I, probably one of the, it's probably in the top three things that I miss the most about having a desk because whenever I ran a school, I obviously had a desk too. And I loved my big desk calendar. I would write all the important things on it. And I don't know, it just always made me feel centered. Right. I like it. Yeah, I like it so much. You use it as a scratch pad. So much. And I, mm. it's crazy because I have 13 other pieces of scratch pad paper <laughs> just waiting for me. I love it. I also, one of the things I don't use as much now, but I used to really love was my post-its. Yeah. I love post-its. <laughs> what do you think, what do you think the uh, love about the post-it is your love for the post-it? Oh, that I can make myself quick, easy notes, and then I would put them on my computer or next to my keyboard, depending on their priority. And I really liked being able to like take it and throw it away when it was done. Okay. And so by the end of the week, I wanted to have no post-its. Hmm. Yeah, or like at least have it down to like two or three that were long-term post-its. But I primarily used post-its for like things that needed to be handled like pretty short-term. Yeah. And so I guess, you know, you get somewhat of the same satisfaction checking things off a list, but it's not the same. Yeah, because you can actually feel like you're throwing that problem away. Yeah, I never saw it as problems, but it felt good just to like water it up and throw it away. That's cool. Yeah. Mm. I actually really like that, but uh, I like post-its, but they just collect on my desk and then I'm a, uh, I'm a hoarder, so... I just put them inside my desk. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So they never really get thrown away. They just get hoarded because I think that there's a bit of information on the post that I need. And it just gets put on my desk for a, a later time. Yeah. I mean, the downside to post-its too is like since you do put just minimal words on there, sometimes you write it and you forget about it and you look back and you go, what the heck is that to mean? <laughs> Like, yeah. I've been keeping this notepad neck on my nightstand to, like, draw down different ideas and topics to cover. And the very first thing on here, I don't even know how to say. Oh, I, I remember now. I know what it is. I know what it is. Balenciaga. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I was sitting here looking at it, and I was like, Valentina? Baloney? <laughs> <laughs> like, That's not how you spell baloney. <laughs> I also don't think it's how you spell Balenciaga. But, <laughs> yeah. Like, sometimes, you know, you just write those quick notes, and you're like, what the heck was yeah. I thinking? But as I was saying, like, I didn't know what it meant. It hit it, my brain tap back in. Yeah. It. What did you have on Balenciaga? Oh. That's not how you spell it either. Yeah, it's not even remotely how you saw it. I, there are extra letters in there, I'm sure. Um, I think I, gosh, it was like two weeks ago that I wrote it down. But essentially, it's like, okay, well, there's a conspiracy theory I think I actually believe in. But, I mean, it's not a conspiracy theory if it's come to fruition from it being a conspiracy theory. So it's not a conspiracy theory? It is. But I guess what I'm trying to allude to is we were all telling you guys this stuff years ago when you, you guys were calling it as conspiracy theory. And all of the crap that you said, you never said Balenciaga. But I... I would have been talking about Hollywood pedo rings for forever. And this is directly a Hollywood pedo ring. But here's the thing. like I'm a satanic cult. <laughs> I don't know about that. But I do know, like, I, 
it's not like a shot. Like, I feel like conspiracy theory, whenever it comes to like these rings or whatever, like you present it like it's a, like a revolutionary idea. And it's like, of course, there's like sex trafficking happening. And sex trafficking yeah. is also going to include children. Like that, that within Hollywood, I feel like there are multiple e stories about this. Like, we know that's a problem within yeah. Hollywood. Um, but the Balenciaga stuff, there are some very, some things that are placed that I kind of want to be like, I feel like somebody's trying to get caught at this point. Okay. Um, so I was going to say, what do you feel? Okay. So if, if the, if we all know that Hollywood's doing this, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Um, what is the conspiracy theory that you believe in for the Balenciaga thing? Like what? What? What makes it a conspiracy theory? If we already know that Hollywood pedophilia is going down, I mean, I, I think there's something super sketch going on with this specific brand. Okay, I a hundred percent agree. And that's as far as I've gotten with it. Yeah. Um, so, uh, on the conspiracy side, there's this thing that uh, I think I've mentioned it it to you before um, that the because I think that these guys are satanic pedophiles so in satanism that there's this thing uh that they do with uh karma that's that that they say that essentially if they present this to you in any form or fashion and you don't persecute that person then you're allowing it to happen so if they say you know even in like cartoons or you know how i say uh monsters inc is about um the adrenochrome where they're sucking the life out of kids to live longer um, they're telling you what they're doing in any form or fashion so they don't they won't get any backlash from it. So I think that by you saying like you feel like they're trying to get caught, they're trying to tell you like, hey, we're doing this and you're still going to buy Balenciaga because it's a fashion designer essentially giving us the OK to do it. So we're going to keep doing it. For the record, Balenciaga has never been in our price range. No, 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 no. And to be honest, I don't know that that's really my style or my vibe. Yeah. Um, Is that the one where they look like homeless people on the TV? <laughs> that's free people. <laughs> um, I honestly, I don't know that I could pick out a Balenciaga outfit. Like, I'm just not that, I'm not that chic or I'm not that into designers or whatever. You yeah. Um, so you're saying that they tell everybody in these like subtle ways because they think that if they tell you in a subtle way and you don't fight against it, then it's okay? So, like, um, yeah, so that bad karma won't come back to them. So they're not lying about it. They're telling the truth. But if you don't do anything about it, then they're like, okay, I'm going to keep doing it because you're not doing anything to me about it. You're You're accepting this and you're... You're you're giving us the okay to do it. I guess I could see that. There's a name for it. I can't think of the name, but it has yeah. something to do with karma. So I I guess I could kind of see that in these ads. I feel like Monster Sync is a little bit of a stretch. Yeah, I, I, and I only tie that to um, the Adrenochrome. You know that they suck the blood out of children to keep them young. Um, it's a whole thing. Um, we won't even get into it. Uh, but. Essentially, what Monsters, Inc. was doing was scaring these kids because it was the screams from the kids 
was keeping them alive. They were like, we're running low on screens. We're all going to die. No, so, it wasn't keeping them alive. It was their energy source, like electricity. What everything was powered off of in their mm-hmm. towns. So um, essentially the tie to adrenochrome is that they're taking this from a child to, to preserve their way of life. Again, a, a deep stretch from yeah. conspiracies. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, and then a lot of them, too, are saying um, uh, we live under a firmament because the Disney, you know how the li- light shoots across the top of the castle? It's creating a dome. Mm. They're telling you about it, so you're accepting it, and they're not doing you Like, they're okay to do it. Mm. Versus lying to the public. Mm. Yeah. So... I know, I know, I know. So again, I, I think some of that is so reaching, but I definitely think something super sketch is going on with hundred percent. And it it is very interesting that a lot of the celebrities that endorse them haven't really come out and said much. Yeah, and that that's one thing that I'm hearing too is like, you know, everyone's so quick to jump on Elon Musk or we're gonna leave Twitter, we're gonna leave Twitter, you know, as he's banning these pedo sites on twitter everyone's jumping ship and they'll be the first to blast him but then balenciaga comes out and no one's uh, saying anything here's the deal my issue with elon which granted i've never really been a twitter gal right oh yeah i've never been twitter pated with twitter if you will <laughs> um i don't i have no idea what elon musk is censoring not censoring uncensored I, I i don't know what he's doing i don't really care that much uh, but here's where I, I am not on the Elon Musk wagon. The wildly disrespectful way that he fired many, many employees. I don't know the exact number. I'm pretty sure it was several hundred. It does not, does not sit well with me as a leader. I do not like that. Yes. The, the methods of the way he was firing those people is crazy. But the people, the people who he fired are the ones that were that he like knows were on these teams to censor specific topics. Yeah, but here's the deal. These are engineers that their boss said, hey, we need you to do this. Okay, like that they are working a job. They were told what to do and they did what they were asked to do. I've had I've seen many people go from one way of how to run the company and when a new style comes in they fight against it so so hard because all they've ever known is how to do it this way Uh, as somebody that has had to flip multiple schools i i know that firsthand yeah however here's my thing and, and this is where i take issue with it it is one thing to have those conversations, and I say that because I have had those tedious conversations. It is a different thing to be wildly disrespectful to a large group of people without ever even meeting them, without ever even talking to them, without even knowing where their mindsets were. Yeah. Like, that, to me, screams toxic leader. And he's he's proven that, even, you know, go a step further... 
where he's basically told everybody that is still working there, like, hey, you're about to give this 100% and sort of like building bedrooms like they're at the hospital or something and they're going to have to sleep between surgeries. <laughs> like, that is the stupidest little crap I've ever heard. Yeah. I'd be like, uh, where's the meme that I can send back to you that says, like, F you, dude? Probably with the middle <laughs> finger. Yeah. You know, like... I, I just feel like... And, uh, you know, I don't really know Elon Musk and his intentions. You know, like... <laughs> To me, he's trying to play a side and cause destruction to drive everybody this way. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, um, I just feel like we're not getting the whole story. Like, I feel like, you know, the news and CNN and uh, NBC are telling us, oh, he's doing this. And it, it's not really the, the, the way it is going. So I didn't see it on the news, CNN or NBC. I saw multiple TikToks of upset people <laughs> that got fired by memes. Yeah. So like that that's where that came from for me. Did they show you ID badges? Because I could get on there and be like, man, I just work for Twitter and Elon came in. He touched me on the butt and was like, get out of here, handsome. So not only did they show their emails with their Twitter email addresses... They even showed where several of them emailed HR and was like, is this a joke? <laughs> and HR was like, nah, your email's not going to work at the end of the day. That's so crazy. Like, it is so crazy. And here's my thing. I don't... I am very... It's so funny. I was actually talking about this today. Um, <laughs> I am... I'm not a Republican and I'm not a Democrat. I I am neither. I am, I, I want the best person for the job, and honestly, I probably align the most as a libertarian. What? Say what you need to say. I'm, I'm definitely going to tell your mom you're a liberal at Christmas. No, I'm not a liberal. I'm you a libertarian. libertarian. That's not liberal. I feel very strongly that the government is responsible for our economy and for our military protection, and... I don't think that they should really be weighing in on my personal choices, right? Yeah. And I tend to be more conservative whenever it comes to, like, the economic side of things. Uh-huh. Um, but, holy jacks, like, Elon Musk, he he's arrogant and he's a little crazy. And that, that can be a dangerous thing. I don't really care. At the end of the day, like... What he ends up doing with Twitter, whether it becomes very successful or not. I Again, I've never really been a Twitter person. Um, but, dang, he seems super toxic to work for. Yeah, so, 100%. Um, quick I, question. Uh, how long do you think it's going to take Elon Musk to run for president? Yikes. Holy <laughs> jacks. I didn't even think about that. That sounds horrible. Can you imagine? No, but I also feel like I I would have never imagined Trump running. Right? Actually, to be honest with you, that one didn't really surprise me all that much. Um, I think from a business standpoint, no. But, I mean... Uh, and... Okay, I'm... All of my personal beliefs aside, I am Republican. Um... I think 
uh, Trump had uh, a lot of good ideas. I just don't think that he's the best fit for any kind of public office. The dude is a is a wild card. Right. Like, good lord. So here's the deal. To really be a successful leader, you have to not only have good ideas, but you also have to say good things. Yeah. And when I say say good things, like not just tell people what they want to hear, but not say things that gives bad people something to hold on to and say, well, the president said this, so it must be okay. Any jokester. Any, I, any jokester, not even a bad person, any jokester, you uh, make one mess up of, I I only enter my house through the back door. They're gone with it. You have to be very specific on what you say. I don't, I feel like that might be reaching a little bit, but I hear what you're saying and you're not wrong. Like, because we're not talking about them twisting his words. Like, <clears throat> Or yeah. even taking it out of context. Yeah. Like, he legit yeah. said I, those I was trying to give him some grace. Meant like. to say those things. <laughs> yeah, no, I did not give him grace. Like, it is what it is. Call yeah. a spade a spade. And here's the deal. Would I want to hang out with Trump? Absolutely. Do I think we'd have a great time together? Absolutely. Um, but do I think he gave a license to a lot of crappy people to continue to be crappy? Absolutely. Yeah. I don't think that was his intentions. But I that that is, you just have to know that as a leader at that caliber, you have to be mindful of the people that you give license to behave certain ways. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't know. It's it's an interesting thing. I our whole like how we then went to Biden. Like I just don't. Like, Good I, lord, that guy like. In the next election, if I could just vote between two people I didn't particularly care for or, like, that I didn't feel strongly about either way, I would feel like that was a win. I don't even have to like somebody at this point. I'm just tired of having to pick between which one do I think is going to do the better of the terrible jobs. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, which one do I think will have the least amount of negative impact? Right. And so I, I would really like to... Not be in that situation anymore. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know. I think the only way to go from here is up. So I don't know. let's just hope for the best. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I am very nervous about DeSantos. Uh, I don't know. I, I like him. I, I, Have you ever in your life been like, man, Florida runs so well. <laughs> we should be more like Florida. I okay, so is that the government or just the people? Both. Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing with Florida or California. Is it the government or is it the people? It's both. It's no California is both. Ugh. Right, so California is both. So what do you think Florida is? The people. No, it's both. The people are, and the it's one and the same. I look at Texas. Like our governor freaking is shipping people like immigrants off of South. <laughs> If that's not the most Texan thing to do, that's. I don't know what is. I would have done the exact same thing. I told it to him to his face. I said, I love it. Yeah, I don't. There are other things Abbott does that I don't love, but I don't hate that. I will be honest. (laughs) Because I feel like as a Texan, I probably would have done the same thing. (laughs) Like, you know what? If y'all keep trying to force this on me, here we go. You want all these immigrants? Here we are. 
And now, let me be very clear on this. I am pro-immigrant. I think we need to make it a lot easier for immigrants to become citizens. You know what I think? Mm. Uh, I think that if, like, yes, it definitely should be easier. But I think it should be like, hey, we will grant you full citizenship if you serve two years in our military, given your abilities, like, you know, whatever you can do. Obviously, I'm not going to stick a 72-year-old man, like, or a woman on the front lines, you know? Sure. Like, they're going to give them office jobs and serve your military that, serve your country that way. And then you get your granted full lifetime. You're an American citizen. Boom. Here you go. Two <sighs> years. And if you decide to stay for another two years, then we'll start, then the, like, the colleges, like, we'll start paying for your college, blah, 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 full benefits, blah, blah, blah. But, uh, uh, full benefits after two years, of course, but... You know what I'm saying? Like then, the, then the money and the rank and then the like everything else starts coming in after four years. But you could get out after two years and just live your life as a as an American. Yes, I don't think they're gonna give them office jobs, but I think they would like let them be cooks or clean. Yeah, or yeah, hundred percent. Um, I the only issue that they'd really have to work through in that scenario because there was a time whenever they did that. I believe. I I mean I know that they did that. Um, but their the potential language barriers would be a potential issue i I mean that's a simple fix like we have a a mexican battalion and then we have like this cross and once they start integrating like learning the language and stuff like that to where they can get around then they start going off into different infantries and stuff you know whatever their specialty is like that there's definitely like subdivisions of the united states army that there can't be I mean I what you're saying in concept I think is simple but in practicality I, I think it's a little bit more complicated I'm not saying that it's not doable I just it, it would be a little tricky to figure out yeah because it's not only Mexicans that are trying to come into the United States yeah 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 and not just that but I mean I think that that goes for state around and I, and if it's a child like coming in like, once they're 18, then they'll serve their two years. But until then, like, they're granted, like, visas. Yeah, I, I don't know. I Really and truly, I think the whole system just needs to be... Like, I wouldn't be opposed to some kind of system like that. I just... It needs to be gone through with a fine-tuned comb, and it needs yeah. to be made more obtainable. Um, yeah. But if you're going to try to... It, it is my nature, and maybe this is my personality. Maybe it's because I'm a Texan. I don't know. But if you're going to try to force something on us, then you should have to deal with it, too. What do you mean? Well, the way that essentially, like, what Abbott and DeSantis did. Like, if you're going to force that we can just, we're going to have open borders, and there's going to be no regulation, because I also don't think that's the answer, um, then, yeah, I'm going to start shipping off immigrants to you and see how you like it. Like, if we got to deal with it, you can deal with it, too. thousand percent. So, but that's kind of my stubborn nature anyways, which I think is kind of a Texan trait. I think so too, because I want everyone from California to go back to California. I want everyone from New Mexico to go back to New Mexico. And I, I have I some friends from California. New Mexico people to go back if they can't seem to figure out this turn lane situation. <laughs> if you can figure out, because some of my favorite people are from New Mexico, um, particularly a set of sisters. Uh, but if you can't figure out how the turn lane works... Please, just go home. Okay, what about this? Everyone's welcome. But 
you have to start adapting to that state's like culture. Life. Yeah. I think it says a lot about Texans that we're more okay with Mexicans coming over than we are Californians. Because, <laughs> I mean, that's the truth, you know? Yeah. Like, I... I don't know. California's just the worst. I'm so sorry. I know maybe one person right now from California that I, off the top of my head, that I would be like, okay, dude, I mean, you can say you're pretty cool. But, man, I it's- just can't only gonna get worse no we were very close to getting flipped to a democrat state very close like we closer than i ever thought i'd see in my life no we would not have we would definitely to oklahoma the heck i would no uh-uh I'm born and raised a texan i'm not freaking leaving texas mm. moved to oklahoma my butt i'm trying to live with a bunch of backwoods people <laughs> <laughs> See again that Texan of like mm, other states are not as good. Yeah, I can't imagine myself living in any other state than Texas. I can't. I mean, maybe for a very short period. I don't. Uh. No, no, I can't. Yeah, I, I can't, can't even imagine. I could imagine living in a different part of Texas. Yeah. As long as your parents came with us. And as long as it wasn't El Paso or Houston, or Austin. I don't. I don't know if I'd mind El Paso as much as I once thought I would. Ew. The last time I was there, I mean, granted, it wasn't like a happy event or anything, but I, it didn't bother me. I'm so much. sorry to our El Pasian friends. Um, I just don't like El Paso. I don't, I mean, and they're super close to the Mexico. You can just hop across the border. That's just not... Are you trying to, are you trying to say I used to love going to, to Juarez. Okay. I don't know. I like the diversity. I don't love the cartel piece of it, but yeah, I like the diversity. And our food there is so good. It is so good. And there's a lot of really great people there. I don't know. I just don't like it. I, it definitely would not be my top choice. But I'd rather move there than Houston. Yeah. Yeah, anything but Houston. Yeah. I, like, if we lived in Houston, you'd probably be snappy with me all the time instead of just, like, a little bit like you were at the beginning of this podcast. <laughs> you were snappy with me? You wouldn't even let me finish my story. I was trying to understand, like, what they had to do with each other. I know, but if you let and me finish, you would with each other. <laughs> I was like, why is he talking about this? Like, I heard you talk about your tattoos a million times. Never have I heard you try to link those to I was trying to backtrack because I was going to say he's like the only man I had tattooed on my on my body. But because I don't have like a tattoo of Jesus, I'm not that kind of Mexican. You also don't have a tattoo of Matt Gleach. It's a pirate with his guns out. I know, but it's not like you have like a portrait of him. Like you don't have like. It might as well be. It's, he represents a time, a coach, a so, era, a so, if a guy with a cross tattoo and everyone's like, oh, that's because he's Christian. It represents a time and an era that's essentially a Jesus tattoo. Yeah. Okay. Are you just because Texas Tech doesn't have any affiliation with a pirate now? Like, do you not love Texas Tech? I love Texas Tech. Is it not also an ode to Texas Tech and the era that Mike Leach brought to Texas Tech football? Yeah, but he's a pirate. He's a captain. I, I realize that, but it, to me, my understanding of it 
is that it represents that era, including Mike Leach, mm-hmm. at Texas Tech. Yeah. I agree. Like, specifically. So, it's more about, like, that era of football and the impact that it had on you. Yeah. It really is. Like, God. If he passes, and which he's pretty much has, R.I.P. Like, that, man, that was such a good time for football. It was. And I, you know, here's the deal. I He probably didn't make, I know he didn't make the healthiest choices, you know, like, I, there was a lot of alcohol, I think, involved. <laughs> yeah. But I don't, I think he was, a, he was a good human that wanted to really invest in players and other coaches. And, and he loved this town, too. He did. Like, I don't know. I, I think that as a town like, or as a city, we felt it, you know? Yeah. I don't think we appreciated it at the time. I think we did. I think a lot of people did. I mean, I... Everybody I knew really, like, were happy to be behind him, you know? Yeah. I think if he would still be here, too, like, him and I would be, like, really good friends. Oh, the best of friends, my dear. The best of friends. Yeah. You'd be old buddies. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (sighs) I don't know about that in reality, but I don't know. We'd go on riverboat gambling trips together. The the hell you would. (laughs) I... I do not think you could survive that. He'd drink you under the table. Yeah, I don't think me and Mike Leach would be able to hang out without both of us ending up in jail. Yeah, no, I think that you would pass out before you'd be able to get in much trouble. Um, <laughs> I don't. I, I think he brought a lot of really good stuff to Lubbock. I think he was a great asset to Texas Tech football. Like, I... I am sad to hear that, you know, yeah. he's. it's looking like he's going to pass. Because I do think, I, I think he was a good man. I mean, I... Oh, yeah. I think of him as a man of integrity and a man that wanted to invest in other people. I mean, like, I... It's not like he ever tried to, like, lie and say, oh, no, that didn't happen. Yeah. He basically, it was like, stop being a big baby. This is a situation. Like, yeah. calling it a shed is kind of a reach. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, that also, like, brings back the realization of, like, I bet you the Leach family did not know that Sunday morning they were going to wake up to their dad having a massive heart attack. You know what I'm saying? Monday like, morning. Monday. Oh, yeah. No, it yeah, did it happen Sunday. yesterday. Yeah, huh? it was. Yeah. Mm. Like, man, at any moment, like, we don't know. So just dang it. Have fun. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know that what I take from it is have fun, but well, yeah, but well, I'm, I'm like I'm, I'm I don't want to say enjoy life or like live every moment to the fullest, you know, be all cliche like that. Just damn it. <laughs> I, don't know. I mean, I think you should make the most out of every day, like no matter what that looks like, you know. Yeah. Like, I I think that every day and probably like the best or what you should do or whatever kind of changes based on day to day, you know? Yeah. There's some days that my best day means working, you know, 10, 12 hours that day. But then some days my best days are spending that time with us as a family, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. I think that just do your best every day and make the most of it and tell the people around you, you love them and 
then if something happens to you sooner rather than later, like everybody knows where they stand with you. 100%. So. Huh. I don't know. I I truly, my heart breaks for his family, for his kids. Like. Yeah, mine too. Like they, this can't be easy. But I definitely think that, you know, that's a man that left a, a long lasting legacy and touched a lot of lives. And I mean. Man. Yeah. He definitely left his mark on Lubbock. Yep. Glad I was alive to to witness it. Yeah, you know, I really don't... I I mean, I always know about our football coaches. I always feel somewhat invested in it. But I don't know that any other coaches really... will really last in my memory the way that he has. Yeah, I feel like McGuire's on a good pace to do it. I, I do too. That man is so kind. Yeah. He's... He is incredibly kind. So, man, he's like, aside from Mike Leach, Mark, uh, uh, Joey McGuire has definitely become my favorite coach. Yeah, he is incredibly gracious and kind, and I think very highly of him. Yep, me too. Yeah. All right. Well, I love you. I love you too. <laughs>